Welcome to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. In a troubled world riddled with endless pursuits, we have a place of peace and rest in Jesus Christ. We invite you to join us in worshiping Him and following Him in a life-transforming journey. Now, here's my friend Mark to introduce today's sermon. Good morning. Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho welcomes you. Have you ever been in a threatened situation where you had to depend on someone's instruction or face terrible consequences? In Joshua, the Lord's Word trains us for the day of testing in our spirit. In 2 Timothy, we're assured His Word equips us fully and completely with teaching, correction, and training. Yet hearing good instruction is nothing without action. Even genius means nothing if you refuse to use it. So for many years, 10, 12, 13 years, I skydived almost every weekend, many, many times in a weekend. On the other hand, I scuba dived once in a while. Now, something happens when you do something on a regular basis, it's, it's, it's in you. You understand it, you know it, you won't make any mistakes. Now, because I only scuba dive once in a while, this is something that my wife never saw. Scuba diving, the difference between scuba diving and skydiving is this. In skydiving, you know you're dying right now if you have a malfunction. In scuba diving, you're dead, you just don't know it yet. You can't be at certain depths for longer than a certain amount of time. You can't come up to the surface fast. You got to stay for two, three minutes at 20 feet. You cannot. If you will, you get the bends, you die. Or you wish you were dead. Now, because scuba diving was only once in a while, whenever vacation took me to the ocean somewhere, on my own, boy, did I reread those books. Boy, did I rewatch those videos. Because no one could save me at that depth. I was responsible. And those instructions were so real to me. What do I do if this happens? What do I do if that happens? Especially when I used to skydive with my sons. I'm responsible for them. So every point of instruction was so real to me. Because it meant life or death. None of you woke up this morning thinking you may die this afternoon. None of you expect to die this afternoon. I hope none of you die this afternoon. But how many people still watch and are careful in the way they drive on our roads? We're getting more and more distracted drivers coming from all over the place. They turn right and never look left. They go straight and never look left and right. They just think the road is theirs. Because people don't follow the instructions that they got when they got their license. You study so hard to get that license. And afterward, afterwards, oh Lord have mercy. Following these instructions in a spiritual sense is a life and death matter. We don't show up on Sunday morning because it makes us feel good. Because when we understand in our growth and maturity, my growth and my walk with Christ will actually impact somebody else's life for eternity. And if you understand what that means, that hell will be thrown in the lake of fire where the smoke never dies. And people will be given an eternal body which will be perfect to feel pain forever and ever. Take that to a logical conclusion. Though it has none. So how do we take these instructions? This is where God tells him, be strong and very courageous. You want the strength to live for tomorrow? 
For when that storm comes, it's too late to open up the instruction book and say, now what do I do? You do it now in time of peace. You learn how to handle the storm. This uncompromising strength, it comes from God's principles. And he says it very, very, very carefully, being careful to do according to all the law. Now, what does this look like? First of all, your strength is built upon and grows as you live out obedience. It's called for living obedience. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3.16. You see, this challenge of be strong and courageous now is re-emphasized in saying be very courageous. Why? This command actually reveals the secret of all the success that lies before you as you deal with the issues of life. You don't, well, most of us, when you have a new car, uh, it's warranted. But somehow at the end of that warranty, what happens? That's when the car breaks down. It's as if they're built to break down at the end of your warranty. Until then, you had no worries. You had a problem. You dropped it off the dealer, walked away, came back, picked it up. But now it's going to cost you. Do you have a good mechanic? Because you may wind up to find out your mechanic is not good but expensive. It's too late to know of a good mechanic when your car is broken down. Same thing here. That's strength. It is not received at the moment where you need help, but you haven't been looking, you haven't been asking, you haven't been learning. This strength comes from being obedient daily in loving and living the Word. As we hold on to the Scriptures in spite of all the challenges of life and obstacles, that takes the courage. Why be very courageous? The first time was be courageous because you're going to be dealing with people. You've got to stand for what you believe. But now, he says, be very courageous, not because you're dealing with people. It's because you've got to trust the word. Because everything in your mind, including the enemy from the outside and your friends, are going to tell you that won't do anything for you, that word. You do what you think is good for you. Trust yourself. Love yourself. Be very courageous because you've got to trust the word. Love the Word. It's the idea of fulfilling the Word of God and maintaining it in your heart. Why? All Scripture is breathed out by God. What you have in your hands, it's not just another novel, not just the thoughts of a couple of writers. God breathed it. He lived it through different writers, through their circumstances, their character, and the Holy Spirit writes down 2,000 years ago, 2,500 years ago for something you need today. God's Word is breathed out. And what does it do? Here's the promise. Trust and believe that God's word is profitable. For when you need it, if you know it, the Holy Spirit brings it into your mind. And because you believe it, you have peace to do the impossible in face of adverse situations. It's profitable and it's going to teach you. You may disagree with what I preach or what others may teach. But when you read God's word, it will teach you nothing to argue with except God. And even there, God is patient as He calls Jacob, Oh, you little warm, who do you think you are? It's profitable for teaching, for reproof. It's the Word of God that will discipline you, will correct you, will tell you, Nope, that's the wrong thing you've just done. 
We, you know, we give instructions, but we have a hard time telling people they're wrong because we don't want to offend them, and we're afraid to lose their relationship and their friendship. God says, no, I love you because I love you. I'm going to tell you you're wrong for correction and training in righteousness. This word here, profitable, it's the word ophelimos. Part of it, we can get the, the name Ophelia from that. But this word means, profitable, means to be helpful, serviceable, or it can serve. It can fill in that void. It can guide. It's able to. The challenge that we have here is to go beyond hearing or appreciating it, but to live it. To do it. The Word of God. That's why James comes along and says... Be doers of the word, not just hearers only. Because if you listen, but you don't live it, you're deceiving yourselves. That's what James says. It is the word of God that changes us. Jesus, the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. And the idea here is Paul writes to the, uh, the Corinthian church about their appreciation and the Israelites' appreciation of Moses, that he would see God face to face, and when he walked down the mountain because he was in the presence of God, his face would shine. So then he would cover his face at first so people would not be distracted, but furthermore, he would keep it covered so when the glow would go away, he would not lose the respect that he used to get when his face was shining. We have a way of acting in front of people in certain ways to impress them and keep them in awe of who we are without really changing on the inside. But here's the secret. This word of God that's breathed by God, that is profitable for teaching, it is good for reproof and correction and trains us. Look what it does. As you read it, As you choose to and commit to believe it, and we all with unveiled face, don't need to hide before God. You don't need to to say, okay, God, I'm not going to tell you about this one because I don't want to sadden you. God knows with unveiled face, He loves you as you are, broken and falling apart. Beholding the glory of the Lord. So as I'm reading the word of God, I'm seeing God's glory and the Holy Spirit works within me and begins to convict me, begins to bring tears to my eyes of repentance, begins to transform me to desire to be like him, are being transformed. Same word used in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, metanoia, this transformation that is gradual, but it is permanent are being transformed into the same image from one degree degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is for Joshua and for us. Be strong and very courageous, living obedience. Second, look at verse 8. And this word, this phrase has a double meaning. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night. Three, that you may be careful 
to do. Not just that you may do, but you've got to be careful every step to do according all that is written in it. Same idea as before. All of my word to do everything that is in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you'll have good success. We're not talking about prosperity for the sake of having things. The idea of having this legacy, this transformation, this success, where life is much more than the things that we can touch and see, but life becomes a transformation of ourselves into the lives of others. That we don't live for the here and now, we live for eternity, seeking the kingdom and transforming lives to live with peace and joy. Do not depart. Meditate and do. If you do these three things, you'll be prosperous and you'll have good success. Mindful obedience. Mindful obedience. The idea that you will be mindful of it. You will remember. Before you speak, before you act, you will remember what God says and how God leads you. Second, your mind should be full of it. Think of our conversations, how all of us fail so egregiously in our conversations. The way we talk, the things we say, the things we talk about. He says, this should not leave your mouth. The first thing should be on your lips should be the word of God. Look at Isaiah 59, 21. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. So I promised your fathers, I am emphasizing and renewing this covenant with you. I am the same. And here's the covenant. My spirit that is upon you and my words that I've put in your mouth. So back in the Old Testament, God's spirit was around them, leading them. He would probably descend within them as he led them. But at the end, he would take it back. Back to the heavens. My spirit. Okay. It is upon you, my words I've put in your mouth, shall not depart out of your mouth. One, two, or out of the mouth of your offspring. Three, out of the mouth of the children of your offspring, says the Lord, from this time forevermore. How important it is. And most of us, most of you, will know this verse is real, either in a blessing way, Or a sad way as you think of your children or your children's children. For if this word was in your life and you poured it into their lives, they're still pouring it into their children. If it was not, that's why we pray for them. For it's God's grace and mercy of redemption for our children and grandchildren. But the promise is... This word that would not depart from your mouth because I put it there. It's going to be in your children. What part of the word of God must play in our lives? How do we live it out? What does that mean? Well, speak of it. We must speak the word of God. But you won't talk about what you don't know, right? And this happens at home. Your reading life from the Word at home will be unveiled in public. 
just as if your friend that you spend time with will reveal who you are when you come in contact with other people. Whether it's the accent, where are you from? Chicago. No, 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 no. Where are you really from? Uh, Romania, okay. They, they know because it's been imprinted in me. So you speak the word, but to speak the word, you must read the word. Equal to the formula of my prayer life. My prayer life with my Heavenly Father will be heard and seen, and I don't do it to be heard or seen, but people will know if I really know who I'm talking to by the way I'm talking to Him. It's as if, you know, uh, Paul, I know this great construction guy, contractor, whatever he touches, man, he transforms. His name is Jan. Because I've watched him, I know how and what he does, and sometimes I'm looking, I have no idea what you're doing, but I know it's going to be good. Doesn't make sense now. Because I know him. If I didn't know him, I say, Paul, I know this guy, Jan. He, he does construction. And, but he does construction. Just trust him. He's not going to trust him because I need to tell him that I trust him. My conversation with the Father, your conversation with the Father is based on the roots and the foundation at home. For the time you spend with Him at home gives you strength to live obediently when the storm comes. To speak it, you must read it. We must speak it, we must think it. He says you must meditate upon it day and night. To meditate it, well, that you, you got to memorize it. You can't bring back to memory what you have. Not, you can't meditate on what you haven't memorized. And to memorize takes time. Notice that everything here takes time. We want God to act right away when we need Him in the storm. But what God says, no, abide with me. Abide in me. To read takes time. Very expensive. Time is expensive. We've got things to do, places to go, things to enjoy. God says, shouldn't leave your mouth, shouldn't leave your mind, read it. And thirdly, you must live it out. To live it out, you must meditate. Because you will live out what you think on. Psalm 1 and 2. God promises He'll take care of everything else if we leave this out. Psalm 1, 2, but his delight, blessed is the man. His delight is in the law of the Lord. He runs to it. He thinks of it. He can't wait to open it. He looks forward to reading more of it. That's the delight. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And because he delights it, he doesn't read it, shut it, and walks away. He meditates day and night. He thinks about what he read. And now he says, Lord, apply that to my life. And if he does this, he's like a tree planted by the streams of water. If your translation doesn't have an S, it only says stream, it's incorrect. In the original it says streams. The idea here is this. If you're planted by a stream of water and it runs dry, what are you going to do now? We're going to get water from. But God's word gives you streams. One runs out, there's another one. One runs out, there's another one. By streams of water. God takes care of the feeding of your soul when you thirst for it. And if you have that fruit in its season, your leaf doesn't wither, and all that he does, he prospers. We argue within ourselves. We question God. At times we're so weak and we say, well, where's God? 
Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. But Lord, you don't have no idea. I don't have any retirement savings. I don't have any money to pay the bills. They're going to come take my house. I'm, I'm so confused. Lord, where are you? Lord, where's my lotto winning? And God says, be strong and very courageous. This book of the law. I just saw this recently. And it made sense. How heavy is this glass of water? Who can tell me? Eight ounces. Anybody else? How heavy is it? Its weight, it's relative to the length of time I keep holding it. <laughs> I can hold it now as an illustration and talk to you about it, point to it and look cool. But if I hold it an hour, my hand's going to be a little numb. If I hold it all day, I'll have no more feeling in the muscles of my arm. It'll paralyze in a way. This is how we hold on to our worries and concerns. And we keep looking at them and wondering why God is not strengthening us. When God says, you want to be successful? You want to be prosperous in what you do? The instructions are simple. This law, this book of the law, the word of God, it should not depart your mouth You should think on it and meditate on it day and night. For only then everything you do. So we look at the water, we look at the worries and concerns and say, Lord, look at all I got, Lord. It's so heavy. Lord, do something. Take this weight away from me. But we keep on holding to it. And the Lord says, be strong and very courageous. Don't look at the water. Don't look at the glass. Don't look at the storms. Don't look at the troubles. Look at me. And I will be your very present help in trouble. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Stop drinking from that bitter cup you have in your hand. Some of you have a cup of wrongs that were done against you, and you keep sipping it, and you wonder why God won't give you peace. But you remember how they wronged you and you keep on sipping and say, Lord, help me, Lord. But you won't let go of it. Some of you have a glass filled with worries and concern. You live your world in a vortex of what if, what if, what if. And instead of filling your mind with the word of God, you live in the world of what if I'm dead. And you know how you know that? Think about the topic that you first open your mouth with when you sit with friends. What's the first thing you talk about? Finances? Health? Kids? Failures? You keep drinking from that glass and it's getting heavier. If you want to have this fortitude, this strength, it comes from being obedient. Where the Lord says, lay down your burdens. Come to me. I will give you rest. Let's pray. Lord, speak into our hearts that we obey your commands. Renew your covenant in our hearts and spirits that we meditate on your word and seek your will through Christ Jesus that your word be a blessing throughout all our lives and our families. 
that we speak of it, share it, and live it daily. May our prayers be a reflection of your great word and love alive and working in us. As we share with others how we trust in you, others will see you living in us, working out our salvation. And so they'll be your witnesses to your streams of living water alive in us. Amen. Join us next week as we begin a new message series in the rising glory of grace and transition into the resurrection. We will learn of the condition of sin in our lives and how the law convicts us of sin and a need for reconciliation with the Lord. God has rescued us at a time we didn't ever deserve in a way we could never imagine. Thank you for listening to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. For more information about our church, visit us online at trinityefcboise.org or by phone, 208-322-8801. Our church is located at 1777 North Allenbaugh Street in Boise. We'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship at 11 a.m. Join us next week at this time as we go through and apply God's Word on Scriptures for Life.